Joining us on the AT&T Hotline, the official wireless provider of the Boston Bruins, is John Butchigroff from ESPN, a man who we've made good friends with during the course of this Stanley Cup run. Good morning, John. How are you? Good morning. He ain't winning the resume either, Jerry. I'll tell you that right now. I was just, I, I didn't think so, but wouldn't that be right. fun? Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> I think he should win the Vezina, and the Sedin sisters should share the, the, heartless the heart trophy. trophy. The heartless trophy. And the Lady Bing should go to uh, Aaron. Uh, no, give it to Marshan. <laughs> give it to Aaron Rome. <laughs> give it to Marshan. <laughs> so, what's your overview of what we just watched? Not necessarily to the course of this series, but last night in general as the culmination, John. Yeah, you know, I was—I got to tell you—I was a bit shocked. I didn't think the Bruins could not only walk into, you know, a road arena, but walk into Canada and and win that game. I just thought somehow, like the gold medal game, even though when I was rooting for the U.S., uh, you know, Canada somehow got it done. But obviously, there's no Sidney Crosby, no Jerome McGinley on the Canucks, and and that was the difference. And it just really shocking the way they went in and controlled the whole game. I knew five minutes in. I go, they're going to win this game. There's no push like mm-hmm. the Bruins had in Boston. This is no problem. They so- had nothing left in the tank, Vancouver. I mean, obviously they're a finesse team, particularly up front to begin with. But uh, in the end, they just couldn't match the Bruins' Physicality. physical right. style and, and, and their toughness. And after 107 games, isn't it just a battle of attrition, John? It is. Well, they got beat up, let's face it. And Vancouver blew it when they're up 3-0 on, uh, on, the, on the Blackhawks, made that a seven-game series. And uh, that really you know, that, that wore them out a little bit. Nashville's a tough team, a lot like the Bruins in some ways, in terms of having that great goalie, Pekka Rinne, who will be uh, the guy who I thought would be a Vezina Canada before Luongo, and Shea Weber, a Zdeno Chara-type defenseman. Um, and, then, and then they took on the Sharks, which wasn't that difficult. So, yeah, the Bruins just beat them up. And in the end last night, like you said, I just thought, I mean, Ryan Kester did regenerate his battery and was flying around, but no one else seemed to join him. It was like, hey, guys, over here. You know, if, and, if they kept no playing, when do you guys think, if they played every night, how many days, how many games before they scored on Tim Thomas? You think like maybe July, you know, 17th or something? <laughs> when would they actually get one past Tim Thomas? Yeah, we knew that wasn't happening going in. When I, I talked to you guys. I felt the Bruins had the edge in that. You know, the other stuff, we weren't too sure about the power play. and, and But like we said then, the, the Bruins had the best power uh, penalty killer in Tim Thomas. The goalie's always the best penalty killer. And he's always, always the most important penalty killer. And Seidenberg and Jara block shots. The Bruins led the series in block shots and another key uh, component. But, yeah, you know, in, in the end, it, it was just... They got beat up, and, and, the, and, the, and the Bruins uh, beat them up last night. We're talking with ESPN's John Butchergrass. And, John, if, if Bobby Orr's Superman goal is the iconic image from that Stanley Cup champion, what do you think 20 months, 20 years from now, the iconic image of this one will be, at least in your mind? Well, you know, a few things come to mind. Certainly, you know, Marshawn just punching the Sedin. I agree. That, that just that kind of sums up the series in many ways. Certainly, you know, Tim Thomas's saves. And uh, his just him checking Henrik Sedin and Marshawn, you know, sort of speed bagging Daniel Sedin. Those are like the two moments uh, that kind of stick out um, in the difference between the two teams. Is uh, while they're certainly built for the Stanley Cup run because they've gotten to the finals. Uh, is this the way the Bruins played an antidote to a finesse skilled team like Vancouver? And and if you're Vancouver, a fan or somebody in the organization, do you have to start thinking about adding a little grit into that dressing room? Well, 
while it, it's they have a decent amount of grit, obviously they need more in the back end. Dan Hamuse's injury hurt them a lot, mm. um, and the suspension to Rome too. It, it really starts with the Sabines and those two guys because they get so much ice time. But you know, because of the contracts, I think they'll stay the course. They may add a few more guys, but you know, Rafi Torres is kind of tough, and and uh, Kessler certainly a gritty guy, kind of guy like that. But yeah, maybe you know, some of the some of the supporting cast maybe they need more guys like that. Um, and maybe a defenseman, but you know Kevin Bieksa is one of the toughest guys in the league as well. So, in the end, I just think they get they got they got beat up and they got outplayed and they got a better goaltender. And really, I mean, no goaltender ever gave up fewer goals in a right. seven-game series. That's it's, where it, it starts and ends. John, it comes down to this: he uh, he gave up eight goals in the series. Uh, yeah. Luongo gave up eight goals in Game Three. So, <laughs> hey, well, um, Bieksa is a free agent, isn't he? He is a free agent. Yeah, he'll be a tough sign because he'll get offered three and a half to four million dollars a year for about four to five years. A team like Buffalo would love to have him. Um, a lot of teams would love to have. Uh, him. How about this team? How about the Stanley Cup champs? I mean, I, I just I, I look at them and Marshawn's obviously going to need a big raise. Um, the, the the key thing, obviously, Ryder is gone and uh, Recky is gone, and that clears up some money. If Mark Savard either retires, they get that whole cap number, and they get insurance to cover it, and that's four point six. And now you're starting to now they can get an, an elite kind of guy. They are a lot of guys are signed long term, so they could go for that kind of guy. Uh, but I think with Seidenberg and with you know McQuaid and Boychuk, and they like him and Colby Cohen, the BU kid who's going to come up next year. I think these I think defense they're fine. I think they're going to look for a winger first to kind of replace Ryder. Maybe a little more elite scoring to kind of play with Shake hey. and a guy who scored twenty five to thirty. Uh, as far as the Canucks go, they're going to need a, go- a new goaltender in twenty twenty three. Do you see anyone out there on the horizon? <laughs> So Tim Thomas's son, get his rights. Uh, offer Tim Thomas free paneling or free side on his house. Uh, work for Bobby Orr, then maybe have you know have his son come join the Canucks in a few years. Hey John Butchergrass, we can tell in a various and uh, assorted ways whether guys care and how they care. Certainly after the NBA Finals, when we saw Chris Bosh, you know, weeping openly as he's walking to the to the to the locker room crying. We saw Kessler last night crying on the ice. Is there any way to know or tell whether the Swedes, the cool, calm, collected Swedes, the Sedins, really care about this? Is this bothering the hell out of them, or don't we know? Well, I think Kessler was crying because my sources told me that someone told him his car was burning. <laughs> he, was, he, he was really upset. His Range Rover was up in flames. <laughs> yeah, and now when I'm like, how am I going to get home? And, of course, he lost the gold medal game in that same arena. Yes. Where Bergeron, Bergeron wins the gold medal and a Stanley Cup in the same arena. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously the – I, I don't see any pictures of the Swedes crying, but I'm sure they care. And, and that's what has changed in hockey. Uh, the Europeans used to yeah, they used to mail it in in the playoffs because they couldn't wait to get home. Now a lot of them are very wealthy. Some of them live here. And, you, and look at Char, how much when he got that cup, what it meant yeah, to him. That's, right. that's, the, that's the cultural shift in the NHL, uh, how the Stanley Cup has become the global symbol of hockey excellence. It wasn't that way. It was more world championships and gold medal. But to see how Char reacted when this, you Slovak got this Stanley Cup. It's a great it really point. Really, a lot. Hey, if if Marshan were wearing a Canucks uniform and played for Vancouver and did what he did for Vancouver against Boston, would someone not have knocked the snot out of him long before Game Seven last night from a Bruins standpoint? Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. Uh, but you know, again, when the the, the Sedins kind of set the tone because obviously Henrik, uh, you know, with with where's the C. Chara sets the tone for uh, the Bruins. It's, and you guys know in the hockey culture how important that C is. And when you look at a guy like Kessler, 
that's a guy you wonder at some point. I think we should give him the seat. We, we should let him set the tone for this team. We need to play like that and be like that. And, uh, but, yeah, but, hey, that being said, they were one game away from the Cup. They were, they were one game a few times. They could have won game three, obviously. They could have been uh, right there as well. So they were very close. Uh, they still have a lot of good players. But I think you'll see Mike Gillis, the GM, now put his stamp. There was still some Brian Burke residue with the Sedin Twins and stuff. And, um, but I think something will be done uh, culturally in that locker room and obviously on the roster. It could have been worse, John. The last captain was Luongo. They took yeah. the C away from him to give it a Sedin. <laughs> Yeah, we're not we're not working. We're regressing there. But so I think you could, I think you could see something, and that could be a, a thing with BX as they try to keep him maybe for a little bit less. Is hey, we'll make you captain. We need you. We want you. Uh, John, I defer to you on all things hockey. You forgot more about the game than I know, but I would say this. I think this is important. I would like your take on this as we wrap things up and bring it full circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the regular season, Tim Thomas had the best goals against average, and he had the best save percentage. Uh, that actually got better in the finals. He was 198 regular season and 940 in the regular season. That went down to 114 in the finals and the 967. So the best in the business gets better when it mattered the most. That's significant, is it not? It sure is. And that's, anytime I get, you know, I've been writing a hockey column on ESPN.com for 10 years, and people say, is this guy Hall of Famer? Is this guy Hall of Famer? And I was the one who was trumpeting Cam Neely for years, and people said I was nuts, and eventually got some traction, and one of the stats I used was Neely's playoff numbers improved. Uh, you know, his goals per game, assists per game, uh, they improved in the playoffs. They were better than the regular season. A lot of other guys, like the Sabines, mm-hmm. they go down and they tank, and that's when it should matter most. This tournament, that's when it should matter most. For, so for Tim Thomas, the improved numbers that were already historical and that will and should get him the Vezina Trophy, um, to actually improve on them, is just off the charts. It's it's something that we're probably going to need time and a perspective to talk about. Um, I mean, he should be like Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year kind of stuff. That, mm-hmm. That's how big and how good he was. And his chance to get to the Hall of Fame, in your mind? Obviously, because of his late start, he needs to accumulate a, a, some more stuff, and that's something that I'll look at. And goalies, because they can play till they're 40, they have that shot. Uh, but certainly this is a great start for him. And I just wish there was a Winter Olympics next year. I wish he would have you know, played last time. Certainly Ryan Miller was great. Yeah, he, but it's wish- too late. He can't get to the Hall of Fame. But can I ask you this, John, before you go? Bork came on with us. Ray Bork said Chara was better defensively than either he or Orr. A better defensive defenseman than Orr or Bork. And people laughed. He sure looks like one now. He's six nine two fifty with a, a, a hockey stick that's you know one of the longest ever because he gets he gets a little break and they allow him to use a longer stick because there is a limit. Um, you know, I, I that, that's still tough for me to swallow. <laughs> and uh, obviously, Orr won two. Bork didn't win one, and Bork and Orr could do things that Chara could in terms of puck moving and, and power play stuff. So, but in terms of you know, with forty five seconds ago, who do you put on the ice to protect the one goal lead to protect your kid's head to right. bring this full circle? I guess you would put uh, the six foot to, nine. To, to snuffing out, to snuffing out the last two Art Ross Trophy winners and Kessler and Kessler. Well, he, he was matched up with the Sedins, and he just made them disappear. Yeah, and again, and that, that's and that's why I, I said after the year that he's the no doubt the Norris Trophy winner. I looked at every stat: power play time, PK time, equal strength time, hits, block shots, everything. And he blew away the field because you know people were saying Nicholas Lidstrom and this and that, and I looked at, I just looked at it. All the numbers, and he clearly was the best defenseman during the regular season. 
So the Bruins have tossed out all the stuff. The uh, the Olympic venue, uh, whatever it was, curse, whatever the opposite of curse is, the President's Trophy thing, the seventh game in the other building, none of that mattered to the Boston Bruins when all was said and done, John Butchergrass. I'm so happy. You know, I've been going to games the last couple of years. My cousin, who uh, is roughly my age, back in the 90s, you know, he wasn't watching the Sandy Moger Bruins. He was watching Friends and, and TV shows. <laughs> and then so, so to go to games with him and sit in that upper bowl of the garden and see all these young kids, uh, from Southie and Dorchester and Hyde Park and all around Boston, going to games, spending their money, having a good time for the last two years, and then for it to culminate. And now that they, because they invested in those season tickets and they renewed them, that next year when they raised the banner, I, I, that's what I'll be thinking about, all those people up in the upper bowl there who uh, who's put down their money two years ago, and now next year they'll get to see that banner go up. That is really cool to me. John Butchergrass, we really appreciate your help and your uh, your explanations and your insights into what we've just wa- uh, witnessed here in Boston. Thanks very much for the time. We'll uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy your summer. And my poopy jokes. Let's face it. <laughs> and your poopy jokes, too. <laughs> All right. John Butchergrass with Dennison Callahan. And Roberto Luongo might a little poopy in his pants sometimes. He joined us on the AT&T Hotline, the official wireless provider of the Boston Bruins. We'll be right back. From preseason abroad to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals. For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Thanks for an amazing season from WEEI.